Hey all, welcome back to the Real Life Pharmacology Podcast. I'm your host, pharmacist Eric Christensen. Thank you so much for listening today. As always, you can track me down on LinkedIn, Eric Christensen, PharmD, BCPS, BCGP. Uh, feel free to go ahead and connect with me there. Uh, go check out reallifepharmacology.com. Uh, find the subscribe button there, and we will email you a free 31-page PDF on the top 200 drugs. It's a great study guide, great review. If you're out in practice or if you're going through pharmacology exams and classes, um, great refresher, great review. I share a lot of things that are going to show up on exams as well as things that uh, actually show up in real life as well. So go get that at reallifepharmacology.com. The drug of the day today is fluticasone, and specifically I'm going to hone in on the nasal spray. Uh, there's a couple of brand names uh, in different formulations. Uh, Veramist is one that's fluticasone furoate, and Flonase is the one I'm going to lean on mostly here. Uh, that's fluticasone propionate. Uh, Flonase is, in practice, the one that, that I've seen much more common than other formulations. Uh, generally inexpensive. It's now available over the counter as of a few years ago. Uh, so you're going to see patients using this medication for sure. Now, what are they going to be using it for? Uh, primarily, you're going to see this med used for allergic rhinitis. Okay. Uh, so that's an important thing to monitor, an important thing to, to follow. And how this medication works, as you could maybe uh, deduct from the name, uh, fluticasone, it is a corticosteroid. So it's going to uh, primarily reduce inflammation and also potentially give you some vasoconstriction locally in the nose as well, which can help alleviate those symptoms of runny nose and irritation and sneezing, of course. Uh, I do want to take the time to go through administration of nasal medications, and specifically here, obviously, Flonase. Um, so shake the, the bottle mildly. Uh, you don't need to be a, a crazy person uh, <laughs> shaking it like crazy. So um, yeah, just shake the bottle mildly before use. Uh, obviously, blow your nose. So if you've got a whole bunch of snot in your nose right now, um, that drug is probably not going to be delivered as well as it should be. So uh, make sure that the nasal passages are, are cleared out. Uh, as you're getting ready to deliver that spray, keep the bottle upright and head in a, in a downward sense. Think about not laying on your back uh, to deliver the dose. Uh, you're going to kind of close the other nostril with your finger as you uh, insert uh, the device into your other nostril that you're wanting to deliver the medication through. Uh, breathe through that nose as we're pumping uh, the spray uh, medication into the, the nasal passages, uh, and that should be done. Uh, one question in practice that I've uh, received definitely a, a fair number of times is asking about uh, priming. And I actually get that probably more so uh, with nurses who are um, maybe unfamiliar or new to using uh, nasal administration. So Flonase specifically, uh, it recommends uh, priming the pump uh, at least six times prior to use. So basically what you want to do is make sure that spray is coming out um, because if you go to deliver that dose and it hasn't been primed, you pump it once, 
you know, you, you're not going to be able to tell if that dose was delivered or not. Um, so that's where priming comes into play. And you really only need to, to do that once if patients are taking it on a, on a regular basis, uh, that kind of initial priming. With that said, uh, you're going to probably have patients that use it periodically. And so if, if we go a week or so um, or, or beyond that without using the, the medication, then we probably want to reprime that and make sure that we're um, getting spray out of there before we start uh, administering there. I've also had a question about the applicator. Uh, it can get all snotty, nasty, gross. Um, so that initial top piece of the Flonase, you can uh, take off and clean and rinse uh, with warm, clean water, obviously. Um, so that can be done yeah, periodically, maybe once a week or something like that. All right, let's talk adverse drug reactions. Really, in the grand scheme of things, Flonase nasal spray probably isn't going to cause too many uh, adverse uh, side effects here. Most commonly, what I've seen in practice is nosebleeds. So if patients are susceptible to that, maybe they're on blood thinning medications, um, that is something to be aware of and, and watch out for. And if it's causing too much trouble, obviously, we, we may have to um, look to other agents uh, to help manage uh, patients' allergic rhinitis. Systemic corticosteroid effects. That is definitely another question I get asked in clinical practice. So do I worry about them uh, to a great extent? Uh, in general, no. Uh, if, if I've just got a patient using it for you know severe allergy season, that type of thing, and they're just going to use it for uh, the season or maybe a few weeks, that type of thing, um, I'm probably not too worried about that uh, systemic exposure uh, in a you know general adult uh, type patient. However, you do want to think about uh, prolonged use, f- uh, frequent use. If patients report that they're maybe taking more than they should or were recommended or prescribed, uh, that's a situation where you you might want to uh, think about it anyway, because uh, we think about some of those. Uh, systemic adverse effects, HPA suppression, uh, elevation in blood sugars, all that sort of stuff, uh, osteoporosis with long-term long-term use, uh, that can potentially happen. But again, um, that drug tends to stay pretty local uh, for the, the most part. So that's a, a good thing in general. Um, but the more you use it, prolonged use, uh, there is a theoretical possibility that you could get enough systemic exposure um, to cause some issues there. One other thing from an adverse effect profile I wanted to mention was if you've got a patient who's had um, some nasal surgeries or something like that, uh, keep in mind using a steroid may uh, kind of delay or prolong um, wound healing. So I think that's important to remember if you know that your patient has had uh, other nasal issues besides you know just rhinitis, that type of thing, um, that those steroids can definitely uh, prolong healing. Uh, this medication, I think I mentioned it before, is over-the-counter. Um, so that's, you know, obviously a situation where patients can pick it up and start using it. Um, so in, in general, over-the-counter medications um, are, are tending to be a little bit more safe in general. Um, that's maybe not always true, at least with NSAIDs and some sleeper meds in, in elderly patients, but, 
um, it's been deemed safe enough uh, to be an, an over-the-counter uh, medication. So you will definitely encounter patients that are, are doing this on their own. I know I have in the past for sure. And then thinking about uh, that use and, and the use of, of using a steroid chronically, um, one thing I educate patients on is, is using it for the period of time that it's necessary uh, and to you know limit that systemic exposure, systemic long-term exposure, if we can. Um, if we can't, we can't, but um, anything we can, can do to you know, not, not take it if our allergies are under control or it's only a, a certain season. Um, that's, I think, a lot of common sense there. So, all right, let's take a quick break from our sponsor and we'll wrap up with drug interactions. If you're in the market for pharmacist board certification study material like BCPS, ambulatory care, geriatrics, BCMTMS, the psychiatric exam, or NAPLEX materials, Go check out meded101.com slash store. We've got a great list of resources. Uh, they are updated on an annual basis, uh, and we've certainly uh, helped our fair share of folks pass these exams for over uh, six years now. Uh, we've been been doing this and adapting content based upon those content outline changes each year. So again, go support the sponsor, meded101.com slash store. Uh, if you're a nurse, pharmacist, uh, physician, other healthcare professional, we've got educational books, uh, case studies, clinical pearls, drug interactions, uh, lots of different things on Amazon as well as audible.com. Uh, so all those links you can find at meded101.com slash store, S-T-O-R-E. All right, wrapping up with drug interactions. So first thing I think about with uh, Flonase is nosebleeds. So I, I do think about that. Um, and in particular, if you got patients who are on blood thinners and things like that, um, that's probably something I'm going to maybe be a little extra cautious about and maybe at least specifically warn them about uh, the nosebleeds thing. And that risk may be increased uh, if they're taking aspirin, warfarin, apixaban, whatever the case may be. So think about that in the, the patients you're, you're using this medication on. And then there is potential for CYP3A4 interactions. Again, this is going to totally depend upon frequency of use, systemic exposure, um, but CYP3A4 uh, inhibitors can possibly increase concentrations, uh, systemic concentrations of fluticasone. So your classic examples, uh, erythromycin, clarithromycin, uh, protease inhibitors, so those are type of HIV medications. So there definitely are some CYP3A4 inhibitors. Now, do I worry about it to a great extent for a patient that's going to do a trial of Flonase for a week or two? Uh, probably not. Uh, it's probably not real high on my, my radar list as far as drug interactions and risks go. Um, but if you've got a patient taking a CYP3A4 inhibitor long-term and they're taking you know, long-term higher-dose fluticasone, that's uh, a situation where we may get a little bit more exposure of fluticasone and cause those things like HPA suppression. So hopefully that gives you a little sense of, of drug interactions as well as uh, the drug Flonase today. I'm going to wrap up the podcast, as always. Uh, leave a rating review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you're listening. I greatly appreciate that. Uh, share us with friends, colleagues. Send out emails, whatever the case may be, social media. Uh, share this podcast with them. Help us grow the audience. 
And of course, go subscribe at reallifepharmacology.com. Get that free 31-page PDF on the top 200 drugs, uh, as well as you'll get updates when we've got new uh, content available. I'm going to sign off. Uh, Eric Christensen, PharmD. You can find me on LinkedIn. Connect with me there. Or you can email me at mededucation101 at gmail.com. I hope you take care and have a great rest of your day.